Well, thank you, drama team, for helping us see so beautifully that we're the body of Christ. We're to be his healing hands. We're to be his, his loving words that help the world to know about the love of Jesus Christ. You know, the same message you saw in the drama is exactly what Pastor Bill Hybels was talking about when he said on the screen behind me, he said these words, true believers cannot compartmentalize their lives. They can't go to Bible studies and other Christian activities wearing the sanctified mask of godliness and then trade them in for the more comfortable mass of worldliness as they enter the marketplace. When the true Christian enters the marketplace, Christ enters with him, and together they must leave their mark of holiness. You know, there's a simpler way of saying all that. Here's how I like to say it. What I do Monday through Friday is what I really believe. Everything else is just religious talk. See what I'm getting at here? I mean, yeah, you can come to a service. You can, you can sing the songs. You can take notes on the message. But if it doesn't carry out to what you do as you live your real life, and where you live it out the most is in the workplace. If it doesn't carry over to that, then, then we're just, it's not real. Do, do you see what I'm getting at? Do you understand why being a witness at work is so important? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to focus on Four ways that you can live out your faith Monday through Friday. Four ways that you can be a great witness at work. And the first one on your outline is this. Would you write this down? Become a witness at work by, number one, making my company my congregation. Where I make my company my, con- my congregation. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes people like to give themselves big titles uh, you know, job titles so that they can feel more important about themselves. In fact, I came across a, some of these uh, online. I'm, I, w- I want to see if you can figure out what these people actually do. One person, he gave himself the title as a media distribution officer. Yeah, that's right. That's your paper boy. He's the media distribution officer. What about this one? Your restaurant nourishment consultant. That's your waiter, right? I'm not a waiter. I'm a restaurant nourishment consultant. What about this one? This is a kind of tough one to figure out, but I like it. A product optimization architect. That's the stock boy at the grocery store. <laughs> so, so, and you know, they're, they're kind of funny, but I have to humbly confess to you, you know, I did the same thing. When people ask me, hey, Pastor Paul, what did you do before you became a, a pastor at Crossroads? I just tell people, well, you know, I was the chief operations officer at an automotive holding facility. People go, oh, yeah, you were a parking lot attendant. Yeah, I, I, I remember, remember that. Yeah. So, well, sometimes we like to give ourselves big titles to feel better about ourselves. But, you know, as a follower of Christ, you don't have to do that. Because Jesus gave you an awesome title. In fact, check out 2 Corinthians 5.20 on your outline. Here's the job title that Jesus gives you. So we are Christ's, what? Ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Would you underline the phrase, so we are Christ's ambassadors? See, when you're on a mission to represent Christ by being his hands, by being his body, 
by being his ambassador. You do that everywhere you go, especially at work. I love this quote on the bottom of your outline from your work matters to God. Sherman and Hendricks writes this, as many as 40% of all Americans will never darken the door of a church or synagogue for any reason. Thus, work may be the only place where many people will be exposed to Christians. In fact, the workplace has become the most strategic arena for Christian thinking and influence today. Now, I was thinking about how can I get across, you know, this idea of making my company, my congregation. And I was reminded of one of my favorite stories, absolutely true. My, ma, my mother-in-law, Jeannie, she, when she was in her early 80s, the neighbor right across the street, her name was Rose. And then she was in her late 70s, early 80s. And, uh, you know, kind of some older ladies. But my, my mother-in-law, a lot of times she likes to come to Crossroads on Saturday night. So my mother-in-law, Jeannie, invited Rose. She said, hey, Rose, do you want to come to Crossroads with me tonight? And Rose said, sure, I love going to Crossroads. So they get in the car, they drive, my mother-in-law drives right to the front of the church, parks, and Rose says, Jeannie, what are you doing? Why are we here? Jeannie said, well, I asked you if you wanted to go to Crossroads with me. And Rose said, Crossroads? I thought you said Costco. (laughs) True story. True story, friends. But I tell that because the truth is, a lot more people would rather go to Costco then they want to come to church. But can you imagine? Could you just imagine for a moment that you worked at Costco, but you decided that you were going to be God's minister for Costco Church, where you made Costco your congregation, and all the people who worked there, all the people who came in the store, you took your job title seriously, and you said, I will be Christ's ambassador And I will minister to all those people who never come to church. I will be the one to love them. I will be the one to pray for them and serve them. And when God gives the opportunity, I will be the one to invite them to a service or share my faith. Friends, I'm not saying that you become the moral police. I'm not saying that you spout off a Bible verse every time someone does something you you don't like. Here's what I'm saying. You live to shine for Christ and share his love where you spend the most of your time, at work. Do you know, as a pastor, I do a lot of weddings, and you know, I end every wedding the same way. I get to pronounce the couple, and I say, ladies and gentlemen, by the power given to me, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I now pronounce them husband and wife. Well, in the same way, I want to say something to you. I want you to know that by the power given to me, As a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I now pronounce you Christ's ambassadors. Go make your company, your congregation. Pray for them, love them, serve them, and share the gospel with them wherever you go because that's your mission, to represent your God and King. See, you can be a great witness. It starts when you have the mindset, my company is my congregation. I may be the only Christian in my workplace, and someone has to shine the light in this place. The second way you can be a witness, would you write this down? I can be a great witness at my work by the quality of my work. 
the quality of my work. Hey, guys, do you remember the little funny story about the pastor and the taxi cab driver from San Francisco? Pastor, he's in San Francisco, jumps in a taxi cab, and the taxi cab driver, he's kind of a crazy driver. And he's driving through, and he's speeding, and he runs a red light, and they get hit by a truck. They both die, and they immediately go up to heaven. Jesus is there to greet them. He brings in the pastor and the taxi cab driver, and he goes to the pastor. He says, Pastor, you've loved me and served me faithfully. Welcome to your heavenly home. I have a nice two-bedroom condo all prepared just for you. It's beautiful. You're going to love it. And the pastor says, thank you, Jesus. It's been my honor to serve you. I'm so happy to be in heaven. And then Jesus takes the taxi cab driver and says, welcome to your heavenly home. We have a nice mansion with 17 rooms and swimming pools and tennis courts. You're going to love it. Well, the pastor overhears this. And so he's like, like he said, Jesus, excuse me. Jesus, can I talk to you for a second? He said, Lord, explain to me. I don't get it. I, I gave my whole life to serve you and build the church. And I'm not complaining, but why do I get a condo and this guy gets a mansion? And Jesus said, well, I need to let you know, Pastor. When you did your work, people fell asleep. When he did his work, people prayed. <laughs> people prayed, you know. <laughs> So, so here, here's the deal. When, when you do your work, when you do your work, what does Jesus say about your work and the quality of your work? You know, I love what Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with what? All your heart. As working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Would you underline that phrase, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord? Friends, can I tell you that half-hearted, shoddy work is a terrible testimony. It's a worthless witness. And it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a taxi driver, software engineer, a student, an electrician, a salesman, whatever you do, put your heart into it because you're doing it for the Lord that you love. Now, let me encourage you to write this down. It's one of our mantras here at Crossroads, and I hope that you'll take it to your workplace. It goes like this. Excellence honors God and inspires people. Excellent. When you work with excellence, it honors God, but inspires people. It helps people see God more clearly because we have an excellent God. Friends, think about it. You live in a world where most people want to do as little as possible and get paid as much as possible. And you can go and you can break that mold and say, no, no, I, I don't work that way. I work for my king. Because he's an excellent God. He deserves my best effort and my best excellence. You know, 1 Corinthians 3.13 says this, And the quality of each person's work will be seen when the day of Christ exposes it. Would you underline the quality of each person's work? I want to be clear here. You know, we want to read this passage in context. We never want to take the Bible and try to make it say what we want it to say. We always want to take the Bible for the context of what it's really saying. And in this passage, it's, it's not literally talking about your work, like what you do. It's really talking about your ministry for Christ. 
like you, the work that you do to share the gospel, build the, it's talking about your ministry, like God's going to judge your ministry and the impact it has. But if you do your work as your ministry, man, God promises that he'll bless you and reward you for it. And here's the deal. You want to do your work for God. It's part of your mission. And one day he's going to inspect it. So you might as well do a great job right now. Now, the third way you can be a great witness at work is would you write this down? By my Christ-honoring attitude. Man, I could be a great witness at work by my Christ-honoring attitude. Philippians 2, 4 through 5 says this on your outline. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Would you underline, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had? Now, friends, let me ask you, in your workplace, does attitude matter? Does attitude make a difference? Do you have anybody that you work with that has a bad attitude? Do anybody who has, you know, I hope, oh, I thought you worked here. I thought you were talking about me. You know. do, you, do you have anybody around you that have a great attitude? Friends, I put a quote on your outline, an awesome quote. I hope you'll look at it. It says this. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. If you don't change it, you'll never go anywhere. Let me give you a real example of this, like right down the street. You know, I shop at Safeway because it's close to my house, close to the church. I go in there at least, you know, three or four times a week. I'm in Safeway. And I pay attention to the employees because I, you know, I want to be a witness. I want to, because that's where, as I'm going... I'm trying to make disciples. And I want to talk about two young people that work at Safeway. One, one of them, and you got to know they have a lot in common. They're both young. They both probably make the same salary. They, pro- they, they work for the same company. They both probably have the same boss. One of them has a terrible attitude. One of them has a great attitude. Let me talk about the terrible attitude. I came in one day to buy some flowers for my wife. So I'm happy because I'm thinking I'm going to bless my wife. Happy wife is a happy life, so I'm in a good mood. I'm going to love flowers. I'm going in to buy flowers. And this young lady who serves me, like, she has attitude. Like, I think I frustrated her because I wanted to actually, I wanted her to actually, like, do the work that she was getting paid to do. (laughs) But I think I kind of interrupted her game of Candy Crush or something because she was not happy to serve me or take care of me. And you know, I don't want to be a jerk about it. I know sometimes people have a bad day. I know sometimes people have other things going on in their life. So, you know, I wanted to show compassion. And I said, so I asked her, I said, hey, are you doing okay today? Is, is everything all right? Yeah, everything's fine. And I kind of a little attitude coming back. I said, well, are you not feeling well? Are you a little sick today? No, I'm not sick. I'm, you know, well, you know, sorry. I, I, you know, I thought... Man, I was thinking, man, do you want to go home and lie down for a little bit and, <laughs> and maybe get, up, get out of bed on the other side that you got, you know, like that? You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I, here's what I wanted to say. I want to say, hey, could we call your manager over? Because I just work up the street at Crossroads, and I, I have 10 people in my church that would love to have your job. Man, she, she just had a, just such a terrible attitude. My, when I walked away, my flowers were all like wilted. Like it was really, and, and, 
Can I promise you? Can I? Yeah, and I'm not saying names or anything. I, I, I know if you're feeling like, I'm not doing it to like throw her under the bus. I'm just telling her, that girl, man, she's not going to get a promotion. She's not going to rise up. I, I wonder how long she's really going to last there. First, first one. The second one. I see this guy. He's worked there for about a year and a half consistently. Every time I come in, this kid's hustling. And he's encouraging his fellow employees. He's saying hi to people. He's remembering people's names. Man, this kid has just a great attitude. In fact, I look for him when I come in because he's such like a, a lifter. And can I promise you, I promise you, I've been watching this in people's lives for 30 years. That kid will not be a bag boy forever. Man, that kid's going places. He's going to have an impact wherever he goes. And it's not because they... You know, same company, same station of life, same wage, same boss, but one difference, one word, attitude, attitude. Friends, your attitude impacts your witness. In fact, on your outline in Philippians, verses, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it instructs us about having a Christ-honoring attitude when it says this, do everything without complaining or arguing. Then you'll be blameless and innocent. You'll be God's children without any faults. Now catch this. Among people who are crooked and corrupt, you will shine like stars among them in the world. Would you underline that phrase? You will shine like stars among them. He's saying one of the best ways that you shine the love of the light of Jesus, one of the best ways you do that is by maintaining a Christ-honoring attitude. And friends, when you do your work with excellence and you keep a great attitude, it just opens the door to number four on your outline. Would you write this down? I am a great witness at work by sharing the gospel. By sharing the word gospel simply means sharing the good news. And Colossians 4, 5 on your outline says it this way, make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Be wise in all your contacts with them. True story about a pastor who did a lot of traveling, and he flew American Airlines frequently. And he was on a flight, and this pastor, in a book, I was reading his story, and he wrote that while he was flying, a guy came on the plane, sitting a couple rows across from him, and he was like a real jerk. He was impatient and critical and demanding, and then he started drinking on the flight, and he became a bigger jerk. But this pastor was watching how the flight attendant handled this guy. And she handled him with such patience and poise and confidence. She was just like a master at her work, and she handled the situation. This pastor was so impressed that later in the flight, when the, when the flight attendant was in the back of the plane, he got up and he went back there, and he said, excuse me, ma'am, but she, he said, I want to tell you, you handled that jerky guy in such an amazing way. He said, I'd like, to, I'd like to know, who can I write a letter to? I want to write a letter of recommendation telling them about, to American Airlines, telling them about the great job that you've done. And she said, oh, sir, I'm sorry, but I don't work for American Airlines. He went, what? She said, I work for Jesus Christ, and he's the one who gives me the power to be kind and patient and serving. The book he writes, once I picked myself up off the floor, I was even more amazed when she started witnessing to me. And she told me how Christ had changed her life and given her a love for all people 
even people who are difficult. Let me tell you another true story. There's a guy who is a master wallpaper hanger. Everything I talked to you about today, he did. He, man, he made his company, his congregation. Man, he did quality work. He had a great attitude. But whenever he finished his job, he would bring, you know, it was always big houses and rich people. But whenever he'd finish, he'd write up the receipt, he'd give them their bill, and then he'd pause and he'd say, hey, I really enjoyed doing this, and, uh, you know, I kind of do this, this is my side job, but can I tell you my real job? And then he shares his testimony, and he takes five minutes to just explain the gospel and the difference that Jesus can make in a person's life. See, if they didn't do that, this is why sharing the gospel is so important. That stewardess, people might think, oh, she's just a really nice lady. Or, oh, she's just really good at what she does. That wallpaper hang, if he didn't do that, they would think, man, that guy does a great job. He's a good worker. But they would never know why. That's why it's so important that we share the gospel with how we live first. And then when God gives us the opportunity, we extend an invitation to church. We share our story, what Christ did for us. We tell people the message that God loved you so much that he gave his only son. And if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have eternal life sharing the gospel. And friends, I, I, I want to tell you as your pastor, I would never ask you to do something that I'm unwilling to do myself. Do you know, before I became a pastor, I didn't always work in the church. Parking lot attendant, house painter, work for UPS, work for the YMCA. Can I tell you that every job that I've ever had, I tried to make it my congregation. I tried to do great work with a great attitude so that when God gave me the opportunity, I could share the gospel. Let me tell you about my last job as a parking lot attendant. Man, I'm sitting in this booth taking tickets, and you know how can I turn that into a witness? And I just prayed and prayed, God, I want to shine for you. And so I didn't know what to do. So I just one day I got an index card, and I just wrote on the card, can I pray for you? I taped it on the window, and so when people drove up to, you know, hand me their ticket to leave the parking lot, they'd see that, and they'd say, hey, what's that all about? And then I'd have like 30 seconds. Well, hey, you know, I'm a Christian, and I believe that Jesus loves you and cares about your life, and I sit in this booth all day, and man, if I could pray for you, it'd be my honor. Is there anything I can pray for? Man, with hundreds of people, I got to plant seeds of faith and pray for God, you know, I did my job. I was trying to make disciples. Let me ask you, are you doing your job? Are you fulfilling your mission? Are you taking time to think about how can I be the best witness possible where God has me working right now? Now, this is so important, friends. 1 Peter 3.15 on your outline says it this way. Instead, instead of like living like the world does and and fear, and selfishness, and just thinking about how can I get ahead, or make more money, or blah, blah, blah. Instead, it says this, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Let's stop here. He's saying before you can become a witness at work, you need to nail this down. Have you made Christ the Lord of your life? Have you, have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? Are you working for him? Are you on mission for him? And the verse goes on to say this. Once you nail that down, and if someone asks you about your Christian hope, 
always be ready to explain it. Friends, are you ready? Are you ready to be a witness? Are you ready to take up your mission? Because, friends, if you'll make your company your congregation, if you'll put great quality and attitude in your work, you will find that God will set up all these divine appointments to begin talking about your faith and inviting and sharing your story. Now, starting next week, we're beginning, we want to, we like, encourage you to take this message and put it into practice. So starting next week, we're beginning a brand new series called Hostage. And we're going to address all the things that tend to take people hostage in their lives. And we're going to let them know through Christ you can break free. And so I want you to watch this video to kind of give a highlight of what we'll be doing. And then we'll talk about it. Take a look. These are your friends, your neighbors, your family. They don't know it. But they're being held hostage by fear, pride, lust, or jealousy. What will you do to help them? Hostage begins next week. Invite someone. Break them free. Are you ready? Are you ready to be a witness at work? Are you ready to take up your mission? Man, I I encourage you. Go home from this message. Write down the names of three people that you love and care about. Start praying for them every day and then pray for yourself. God, meet Use me to be a witness. Give me an opportunity to invite them to church or share my story. Nail it down, and God will use you in incredible ways. Now, we want to do something very special to kind of nail down Christ as Lord of our lives and to prepare ourselves to be his witness. So what what we're going to do now is we're going to take communion together. We're going to take communion. Because in taking the Lord's Supper, here's what you're doing. You're saying, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you came on mission to save me. I'm so grateful that you shed your blood, died on the cross so that I can be healed and whole and have eternal life. And so by taking communion, you are declaring that you belong to Jesus and that you want to live on mission for him. So in a minute, uh, Pastor Fred's going to play a song called uh, Love Ran Red. Like Christ loved me so much he shed his blood. And while he's playing, the welcome team is going to pass out the bread that represents the body of Christ, the juice that represents the blood of Christ. And so if you're a believer in Jesus and you belong to him, I'm going to ask you to take those elements, hold on to them, and think about what they really mean. And then worship with Fred. You can join in in singing the song. And then at the end, we'll all stand and take communion together. If you're not there yet, and if, you're not a, if you haven't made Christ your Lord, here's what I'd ask you to do. Just let the plates go by, but let it be a witness to you that you are surrounded by all kinds of people in all kinds of stations in life, but they're all declaring the same thing. 
Jesus saved me. Jesus helped me. Jesus gave me eternal life, and I love him and belong to him. Let their taking communion be a great witness to you. So I'm going to ask the uh, welcome team to come now with the elements of communion. And Fred, if you go ahead and lead us in this great communion song. Can I tell you, family, that I love to share communion with you because it helps me to remember the price Jesus paid so that we could be his. It helps me remember Jesus, but also when I see you taking communion, it's such a strengthening witness to me that we're family, that we belong to Jesus and we belong to each other. So with that said, would you stand with me now? And let's remember the body of Jesus broken so that we can be healed. Do this to remember Jesus, the blood of Christ shed so that we can know God's love and be forgiven of our sins. Do this to remember Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to wrap up our message today with just one last note. You know, many of you, I've, I know you. I know your heart. I know you love the Lord and you want God to use your life to make a great difference. But the one thing holding you back is fear. Like you're afraid, like if I really, man, if I start talking about Jesus at work, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, the whole separation church and state and they don't pay me like to preach at work. And you're right, they don't. But can I tell you, you can be a witness for him by your attitude, by your work, by the way you love and serve those around you. But friends, don't let fear hold you back. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8. Perhaps our greatest witness, it says this, for the Holy Spirit does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. If you'll stir up this inner power, like the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll never be afraid to tell others about our Lord. Do you know how to get rid of that fear? Just start loving people. Just start loving the people you work with. You know, perfect love casts out fear. And when you love somebody, you care enough to find a way to get them the good news. And so, man, let's take up our mission. Let's live to make disciples. Let's make our company, our congregation. Let's uh, have a great work ethic and work for excellence. Let's have a great Christ-honoring attitude. And friends, let's share the gospel. It will change lives forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you not only that you came and completed your mission when you died on the cross and rose again, but you invite us to be your co-laborers and work with you to bring the greatest message in all of history, the message of God's grace and salvation. And so, Lord, help us to take up that mission as we live for you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.